Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston, Executive Recruiter, Director of Recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And you know I love to bring you topics um, that help you either in your job search or help you if you're building a better team at work to keep that top talent, and today is no different. So let me introduce our guest for today. Um, today I'd like to welcome Deborah Roberts, Relationship Expert, Communication Specialist, and author of The Relationship Protocol. Deborah is passionate about helping transform relationships and teaching people how to talk to each other. Her philosophy is rooted in the idea that good communication solves problems and builds a strong foundation. She's here today to share some, share some of her communication and relationship building tips with us to help our listeners become better communicators. Deborah, welcome to the show. Thank you, Casey. So happy to be here. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember because I really like to tell people how I connect with people and how you know we get to this point where you're on the podcast. And for the life of me, I can't remember who introduced us. This is the first in 53 episodes. Well, we started with uh, Byron Morrison, and he was a guest, and I was a guest on Byron's podcast, and you two connected, and he connected us. So that, it's all about networking, right? It is absolutely about networking. And it's so important to follow those little morsels. And, you know, I just talked to Byron this morning. Oh, you so, did? Yeah, we That's were just great. touching base. So, and it's important to keep those relationships going once you've established Definitely. them. Definitely. So I think that's great. Um, but we're not here to talk about networking today. We're here to talk about communication. So thank you for your time today. Um, and I know you and I had a really great conversation. I can't wait to share what you have to say about this with our audience. But tell me, tell us a little bit about the relationship protocol model. What is it and what inspired you to create it? So the relationship protocol is a comprehensive and practical method for understanding healthy relationships and the how-tos, the nuts and bolts for how to have any conversation, how to bring up a topic, how to resolve conflicts, how to build trust, anything that you can imagine where we get stuck, the Relationship Protocol can help you in a practical, everyday use kind of way. Uh, it came out of my work of many, many years working with challenging relationships, both romantic relationships, business relationships, family relationships, and every, every interaction has a similar flavor. When you're talking about creating trust or building a committed staff and a culture of respect, all those kinds of things, it's the same thing in a family. It's the same thing in an intimate relationship of how we talk to each other and the different techniques. So, so I, I'm beyond excited to share my strategies and techniques with the business community because it's so applicable and so helpful and happy to be here. Well, and you said this came out of your work. So what, what kind of work were you doing that this came out of? Well, I am a social worker. I have had a private practice 
where I work with all types of relationships, romantic relationships and business relationships. I do a lot of consulting. And I was always the person that people would contact when people were in the worst case scenarios. I'm the person before the divorce lawyer. I'm the person when two business partners can't sit in the same uh, meeting or they're estranged and uh, a team is having difficulty getting along. It's everything from that to we have a little hiccup or we're not sure how to bring up topics with each other and anything in between. So I realized one day after doing this many years in an organic, natural way, I realized that what I was doing was working and apparently it was new information of what I was teaching people. Hmm. I just, I thought everybody knew this information and other clinicians and practitioners were doing what I was doing. And when I realized that my way, my approach was, um, it was able to be duplicated and these were tools that people could use in everyday life and they were so easy to learn and implement right away. That's when I wrote my book and that's how it all started to um, put me on this mission of realizing, I'll say one more quick thing. Um, this is your floor. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that became really clear to me in recent years is that there's this belief system that we're supposed to know how to communicate and that we all know how to communicate. And in fact, most people don't. Most adults do not know how to initiate a conversation. They avoid conversations. They're afraid that things could take a left turn. They might hurt someone's feelings. And the truth is they don't teach communication in schools the way that I'm talking about. They teach you maybe how to give a persuasive talk, but they don't teach you the nuts and bolts of how do you have a conversation? How do you navigate it when it starts to get a little sticky? And so parents haven't modeled it. So I'm out in the world trying to get people to feel more confident communicating and more effective so they can have more fulfilling relationships, more satisfying lives, and feel more confident in who they are because they're more equipped because you didn't learn it anywhere else. So if you had to give us one small example of what makes up the relationship protocol, like one tool that you use, is that something you could share? Are you going to make them read the book? In order to have a healthy relationship, you have to have the two key elements. One is commitment. So you have to know that you have each other's back, right? So we have each other's backs and we are therefore in it together. We function as a team. And I know I matter to you and you know that, I, that you're important to me without question. It's a natural flow that happens. When there's a problem in a relationship, usually one of those two factors is missing or they went off course a little bit and we need to bring it back in because that's where insecurities, miscommunication, disconnects, that's when it starts to happen. So when I'm meeting with two people, those are the two elements that I'm looking for right off the bat. Do they feel committed to each other? And this is, a, this is in business. This isn't just standing at an altar, you know, expressing your commitment to your partner for life. This is, are your employees committed? Are they loyal? Are they presenting in ways where you feel that you trust them, they trust you, and that you are, that they know they matter to you, and you know that 
this company is built on that type of a foundation. So those would be, uh, that's, that's the essence of what I teach. And then the other part of it are the how-tos, how to actually have the conversation. Well, and that, I'm glad that you brought this up, that it's not just a, at the altar type thing, that it's also in business. So um, how can good communication skills help an employee feel more recognized and appreciated at work? If you think about it, if I have solid communication skills, then I'm going to, when I'm in the world speaking with customers, I'm going to represent my company better. I'm going to be able to speak to my coworkers in a more clear fashion. There's going to be less mistakes. Communication is going to be more clear and I'm going to feel more equipped and more confident to articulate what I need and what the company is looking to accomplish. Once we do that, we're able to connect with others, engage in, it touches every aspect of business and our lives really. And so having an employee who's a good communicator is a great asset to any company. And I think as, a, um, as an employee, using those skills, giving feedback, letting your employer know um, if there's a concern, but doing it in a way that's respectful. Mm -hmm. if, if you can show yourself, and uh, David Solomon from um, Goldman Sachs said that you can be so smart and so successful. He said this to a group of graduating students, but if you don't have good interpersonal skills, you'll never reach your full potential. You will not be as successful as you can be. And I think that speaks to your question. I think it does too. And communication. <laughs> I just, I've got a perfect example for that as well. I mean, literally without giving any names, I've had this happen very recently where the feedback, um, I had a candidate interviewing with one of our clients and the feedback was she can do the job all day long, but she can't communicate that she can do the job. That's right. And because right. she couldn't communicate that in the interview, she, um, was passed over, which was unfortunate, but it was, but I really love what this client did because he came back with some advice and he gets told her, he said, go get a coach. Yes. And I thought that was oh. brilliant. You know, mm -hmm. I also recently had a, um, someone did a sales presentation for my company. We were looking to, um, partner with another company and the two different presentations from the two different companies were so different. One, a phenomenal communicator. The other, when he was finished talking, I turned to my tech person and said, I feel more confused now than when he started. Oh, wow. So who do you think I went with? The one that was a great communicator. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes people are afraid in the workplace to openly communicate. And I can tell you that, you know, my greatest successes have come from having those crucial conversations and communicating, not yelling, not demanding, but communicating. So go ahead. I was just going to say for those conversations where people hesitate, what I want to encourage you to do is state your intentions up front. Then the person knows that you're trying to step up and communicate something that you feel would be helpful for the company. You're not complaining you care about the company, start by saying something nice about the company, nice about your boss, something positive that engages the person and also stating your intentions. I'm not looking to argue about something. Uh, this is important to me and it's just important that I share it with you. 
Well, and I love that you said it that way. It's not like you just come and like, you like lead up, lead up, lead up, and then blindside them around the back end, you know, that way they know what to expect from the very beginning. So that's really good advice. Um, What communication advice can you share that would help someone prepare for and nail an interview? Let's say we don't have the job yet, but we want to get it. Just like that young, that person that I was just telling you about. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could have spoken with her before. Um, So I look at job interviews in a few different parts. One is you have to obviously do your research about the company. As a, as a younger person, many, many years ago, I went on a job interview completely not prepared to talk about my knowledge of the company that I was being interviewed by, and that was a huge mistake. I would never made that mistake again. So the first thing is to know who you're interviewing with and do the background check a little bit so you can find out information about them, obviously. Know yourself, know your resume. Know the, how you describe what you've done, know your strengths, know your weaknesses, all the, the typical stuff that you can see online. But the extra part that I'll add is go prepared, rehearse, sit up straight, open your chest, make eye contact, smile, and bring your best self. Be present and be engaging because when you look someone in the eye and you let them know, I'm here, I want this, this is important to me, and I prepared. Wear clothing that's comfortable and appropriate for the interview, little things like that, and give yourself a pep talk, take a couple of deep breaths, and just be a cheerleader for yourself. I think when you show up and you have enthusiasm and passion and confidence, who wouldn't want to hire you? I agree, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, sometimes um, people just, they get so nervous that they don't know how to combat that. But I think I love that you said, give yourself a pep talk. That's important. (laughs) And I'm really big about doing like either meditation or just a quiet moment, you know, and taking those deep breaths, at least three deep breaths before you walk into any stressful situation, whether it's you're excited about it or you're not excited. You know, I really think that that helps to center your mind and calm your mind and put you in a place where you can enter with calmness. Absolutely. I add to that. What I do is I take a deep breath in and I, with intention, breathe in calm. Mm. And then I breathe out the stress. I like that. I also do three deep breaths. But when I do that with intention, it's breathe out stress, breathe out frustration, anger, whatever. You can use it at any time, not just with job interviews. You can use it before you go to the the dentist. (laughs) It's so important. And there's so much science behind the fact of just breathing, right? Yes. It's kind of necessary. Absolutely. I love that you do that. It's, it's, it's so helpful. It really, it slows your system down, which is what you need in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's take this in a little different direction. So I know it can be really difficult at times, especially for me. I, I can tend to be, I get very passionate and very attached to decisions, right? So okay. it can be difficult sometimes for, for professionals to separate their emotions from a work conversation. What advice can you share to help people maintain professionalism while discussing difficult topics? And you are talking directly to me. Well, Casey, (laughs) (laughs) if you know that you are heading into a conversation about what I call a hot topic, then you should know you're heading into a conversation about a hot topic. I I want 
the Sega Tenskin. I want everyone to know what their hot topics are because yours are different than mine. When you know you're having a conversation around something that you're passionate about and you know it's potentially going to be a disagreement, you have to go in there knowing that there's a chance you're going to get heated. And if you don't want to react that way, reminding yourself before you go in there, I'm going to feel my feet on the floor. I'm going to pay attention to myself. The, the expression is participate in the conversation, but also observe. Observe yourself while you're in the conversation and also observe what's happening between the two of you so that if it starts to get a little tense, back off, take a breath. You can even comment on what's happening between you and move away from the comment uh, from the content. But the key is to have awareness that this is a mm, this is one of those tight topics that makes me nervous or that I know I'm going to get fiery about. If that's not how I want to behave, I need to bring my best self and be very aware of what's happening to me internally, my internal temperature, and also between us. And that's a great way of keeping things in check. I love that you just said that. Everything you say, I love. I'm going to quit saying I love it. But, you know, keep, fill your you feet keep on the floor. <laughs> fill your feet on the floor. What a great way oh, to so take grounding. the focus away from the current situation. And you take it out of your head and bring it down also yes. by doing that. Yes, that is beautiful. And I will tell I for the longest time, so believe it or not, I was a redhead growing up. Um, and I always, you know, believed what people told you that you, you're a redhead, you have a fiery temper, right? And I would, whenever I would react in that manner, even at work, I would always make the excuse, well, I'm a redhead. What, what can I do? You know, it's my nature. And it really took a lot of growing up and I'm embarrassed to say kind of recently <laughs> to move away from that, that interpretation of who you know, just because I'm a redhead doesn't mean that I have to be angry or fiery or rude, you know? So I, but I do like, and I'm going to try that next time about filling my feet on the floor. That's, I love that. Yeah. You can also, if you feel, I want to also address, if you get worked up, say, I need a minute. Let me just take a minute. I'll be right back. So There's simple. nothing, I, I don't want, I don't want someone to just walk away or yell or blurt something else that out that you don't mean to say as much as you know you're losing control don't lose control that doesn't feel good for you just let me take a minute and i'll come right back we'll revisit this or i'm gonna be back in an hour let's talk tomorrow whatever it is you don't have to have a conversation usually in that moment you know and another thing that i think that is important is that Again, getting attached to the outcomes, right? I would go into a conversation with every angle ready to lay it out. Instead of giving that other person space to, you know, think about it and maneuver through the conversation because I wanted them to go this way, you know. And now I'm learning to, yes, I have a desired outcome, but we may go in a totally different direction and the outcome may be even better than what I originally hoped, and so I'm learning to communicate in that way. What you're learning is how to be a better listener also. <laughs> you go, am I jumping the gun? <laughs> is that why you're laughing? <laughs> I'm laughing because my coach told me that I was horrible at listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're starting. 
But I love that you said that. That just made me feel really good that I'm starting to listen. But think about it. If, 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 if I'm preparing for a conversation with you and I go in with not guns blazing, but my prepared um, information that I want to get across to you, but I know that you're entitled and, and you're having this conversation with me, there are two people, then I'm listening to you if I'm pivoting with whatever the conversation is and moving, being more fluid in where the conversation's going, then I'm more open to what you're saying. So I would think that equates to listening. So I'm going to stand by my original statement that I think you're listening pretty well there. I'm going to go back and tell my coach that. <laughs> Guess what? I'll sign better. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> like a doctor's note, that'd be awesome if you'd do that for me. <laughs> I'll put it on my letterhead. Okay. So... A let's kind of pivot again. A lot of employees are working from home today, and we anticipate that more companies will adopt long-term work uh, remote programs um, to benefit their employees. But here's what we're seeing. We're seeing a big disconnect in the workforce because these people are working remotely, and they're not in the office, and they're not around the water coolers and all that good stuff. So what communication challenges does a remote work environment bring, and how can companies kind of overcome those? First of all, I love this question. I have been talking to so many people about this. I'm actually in the process of considering writing an article about this and interviewing CEOs about their experiences. So if anybody wants to contact me, I'm totally open to having these kinds of conversations because it's all about communication. If the person at headquarters does not know how to communicate effectively what the expectations are and that the company cares about this person and trusts the employees. It's like the, the chickens are out of the coop. Nobody feels that they're cared for, that they're trusted, mistakes are happening, confusion happens, they don't understand what's expected of them. I had a conversation with a woman this week who told me that she wakes up in the morning and this morning she realized that she actually took a shower and had a cup of coffee before she went into her home office. And she's been working hours and hours and hours. What, were you a hard worker when you were in your office? I, I asked her, she said, yes, but then they would see me working hard. Now, when I'm home, I have interruptions with salesmen calling me during the day and I'm attending to their needs. Nobody knows that I'm losing hours helping other people and my work isn't getting done as efficiently. Mm. All they see is my work isn't getting done efficiently. This woman now feels insecure about her job security. She never felt that before, which makes her work long hours. But also she's lacking communication skills in saying, let me tell you what my day is like. How do you feel about me answering these calls? What's, what are my priorities? What should they be? And that's just one example of where communication on her end is important as well. But communication piece, mistakes, problems, um, burnout, all sorts of problems are happening. And, and people can look for other jobs. We are seeing Find a lot a of place. that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'll talk to you about a little bit later, but I have taken my online course and I'm now going to be offering it to companies because they need this. They need to be able to learn the effective ways to communicate to the, and the staff needs to understand how to do it to reduce burnout and reduce conflicts and so many areas. It, it affects every area right now. Don't, don't you think so? Is that what I, you're saying? 
I wholeheartedly agree that it is affecting it. And I'll just tell you personally, one of the things that I do, because, because you know, there's so many times like when um, I don't answer the phone because I'm in back-to-back meetings or, you know, I'm constantly on the phone when I'm not podcasting. So I, what I did was I just opened up my calendar. Anybody in my office can look at my calendar and see exactly where, what I'm doing at any time of the day. And that way, you know, that communicates to them, number one, I think a level of trust, but sure. number two, that, you know, this is where I am. This is when you can find me. And, and during this time, I promise you, if there's nothing on my calendar, I will answer the phone. So, but, and, and it also shows them, you know, what I'm doing and what I'm working on. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a great communication tool. I know not everybody's comfortable just opening up their calendar for the world to see, but it's, I've never had an issue with it or, you know. I think that's very smart too. It's a very generous gesture because you're saying I'm available and I'm, I'm here to work for you, but there are times when I'm not available and, and when I'm not available, you will know that. And then it's, it's a given everything's right up there, right up front, which makes it much easier for you. Absolutely. I like it. It was funny the other day, one of the coworkers, was some, one of them was looking for me and another coworker was like, just check her calendar. <laughs> I was like, Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see where I'm at. So, um, so you recently shared a post on LinkedIn that stated conflicts cannot get resolved if you don't bring, bring a relational perspective. Can you expand mm-hmm. on this a little bit and tell us why it's important to consider the relationship during a conflict? Well, if you and I are having a conflict and my focus is everything about me and what I'm saying, my points, being right, continuing speaking, regardless of whether you are getting angry, tuned out, or you know, crying even, if there's no response on my part that demonstrates any concern or connection with you, then we're not gonna resolve anything. The goal of a conversation is that both people realize that there are two people having a conversation and that they both are entitled to speak and be heard. And if we, if that conversation turns into a conflict, they still both have a right to speak and be heard. So if I'm not noticing you and paying attention to you, what's happening for you, or checking in that you're hearing me. You don't have to agree with me, but I at least have to consider that this isn't about winning or being right as much as being able to effectively communicate what I'm trying to say. Does that? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. And so, and just a couple more questions, um, and we're, we're kind of getting to the end, so if it looks like I'm trying to rush us, I wanna make sure that we get to all these, but um, yeah, what role does confidence play in communication? I think that confidence and communication go hand in hand. I even have a, a, a free uh, download on my site that, that talks about um, how to get someone to like you in under five minutes. And how you do it is through communication and communication and confidence. How we portray ourselves is very important. When you feel equipped to communicate, you feel more confident. Absolutely. I like that. Um, I think that I don't think that it's natural for everybody to communicate, but I think that there are some people that are more intuitively communicative. Is that a, 
an accurate yeah, description, do you think? Um, you know, and yeah. so I think, you know, I think I'm very grateful that I've never had a problem talking, mm -hmm. but I haven't always been that great at communicating. And I think that's a big difference. There are some minor tweaks that everybody can do. Nobody is going to be perfect at communication. I'm not perfect at it. I'm not always great with conflicts. We're human beings. But what I'm trying to do is give everybody tools that are actionable, that you can use in everyday life and, and their life skills. And everybody needs to know how to be a better communicator. So for you, you're probably ahead of the game in so many ways, but you know that you want to be a better listener, or maybe when it, when it is a hot topic, you're not quite sure, how do I resolve this quickly? How do I own my part and move on with that, which I left mm -hmm. out actually when we were talking about conflicts. A big part of resolving a conflict is that if I care about you, no matter who you are, we're having a conversation and I don't want you to be upset. So I own my part if something I've done upsets you. That's my job to own my part in that. And then hopefully you hear that as authentic and you give me the benefit of the doubt that I meant it. And also in, to go back, going back and forth a little bit, <laughs> but the to be able to use language such as give me the benefit of the doubt that I meant what that I mean what I'm saying, that I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. When you use certain language, it cuts to the chase. It cuts right to the heart of what you're trying to say, and you can help the other person to. Um, feel more secure in the information that you're imparting. It changes everything. And that's what I'm trying to do, teach these simple strategies that can make such a huge difference. I like that you said that, give me the benefit of the doubt. One thing that I often say when I'm talking to people, like if they interpret something the wrong way, I'm like, assume good intentions. Exact same thing. Yeah. So yep. assume good intentions unless I prove otherwise. Yeah. Trust so. my intentions. Give me the benefit of the doubt. And we'll have, yep. we're having a different conversation. Yeah, and exactly. yet when you watch, if you watch two people having an argument, that's what it's all about. Ultimately, I don't trust your intentions and I'm not giving you the benefit of the doubt. So if you cut right to that and you say, wait a minute, it's clear that you're not following me. We're having a misfire. We're miscommunicating all over the place or you're not trusting me. Please trust my intentions. Give me the benefit of the doubt. Let's move on from this. It's I think best. that right there is just... Gold. It's gold. Just give me the benefit of the I doubt. Knew you were gonna say that. I love it. Love it. So, well, we are it's, to the part of our show where I ask you our VIP questions. Are you ready for those? Okay. Are you scared? Okay, I'm a, I'm a seatbelt on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Well, I am a relationship person, so I'm taking my three family members with me, my husband and my two children, because who would I rather be with than them? So they're coming. That, that is awesome. That was quick. There was no hesitation. She's just like, and I love that you didn't try to cheat and put them into one group. And that'd be one of your <laughs> Okay, items. so my family here, <laughs> my phone, no, <laughs> my television, <laughs> my laptop. I may have opened up a can of worms there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really curious to hear your answer to this one. So what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? So I do a few things, but it's like in a block. So 
so now I'm going to group. I try to make time to sit quietly before I start my day because there's so much information, so many moving parts that I want to be able to have some clarity and feel grounded. So I sit quietly, then I do a gratitude exercise where I, again, bring everything to more of the central place in my mind so that I can go do my work and, and feel real good about who I am in the world and what I'm trying to accomplish um, and spread the word. And then I look at my schedule for the day and figure out what are my priorities, what are the top three things that I need to accomplish today. And I make sure, it doesn't always work, that I try <laughs> to accomplish at least those things at the very least. That's almost exactly like my morning routine. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah. We could talk. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to talk about that and compare because I call them my three big rocks from the, uh, oh gosh, what's the name of that? Uh, it's the EOS. You know what I'm talking about? I've heard of that. I'm, I, you're not going to get me to think of that now. <sighs> I can't believe, I know this. I know this. I can't believe I forgot it. Anyway, okay. So my final question for you. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Deborah Roberts is making a difference in people's lives by teaching them how to be more effective communicators in every aspect of their lives and making the world a kinder place. Beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's great. So how do people find you? How do they find your book? So I have a website, therelationshipprotocol.com, and my book is off of my site. It's also on Amazon. And I also wanted to add one more quick thing in terms of timing. I am also rolling out this summer my course that I've been offering to consumers. I'm now offering it to businesses to help them to deal with employee engagement and connections and conflicts, and they can offer this for their employees or for management, their few different versions of it. It's transformational, life-altering skills that are easy to follow. And it's everything that we talked about here, sort of bundled up in 10 lessons. So <laughs> it's very, very nice. excited about it. Well, yeah. congratulations on that. That That is exciting. Thank you. Anytime you launch some kind of new course that's gonna change the world, that's a lot of fun. I'm banking on it. <laughs> well, Deborah, I just have one last thing to say to you. Okay. You are a VIP. Thank you, Casey. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.